It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday june 2nd 2016 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dan jacob great to be with you great to have you back uh, rumors of you quitting the virtual bible study were greatly exaggerated right i'm glad to be uh, back. you're back you're missing for two weeks in a row which yeah, i think is the first time that's ever happened in like almost 11 years of the virtual unfortunate bible study. string of events uh i mean what it just happened that way in the calendar that i couldn't be here two weeks in a row so glad to be back yeah glad to have you back and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Glad that you're here tonight. Questions at collegeview.com, 877-381-4567. Or use the chat window to the bottom of your video feed. Let us know your thoughts tonight on a program and a subject that is timely, I think, as our society changes its views on things. And uh, religious people are changing their views as well on the subject of women. Yeah, you picked up some news uh, on the Internet concerning a, sort of a, a controversy in the Catholic Church, Jacob, that maybe indicates some of the kind of things that we want to talk about in our study tonight. Yeah, the Pope has said that he's willing to, to commission a study uh, to determine if women can serve as deacons in the church, the Catholic Church. Yeah, th- this is a news article on the National Catholic Reporter website says Pope Francis will uh, has announced he will create a commission to study the possibility of allowing women to serve as deacons in the Catholic Church, signaling an historic openness to the possibility of ending the global institution's practice of all-male clergy. The women religious meeting with the Pope as part of the Triennial Assembly of the International Union of Superiors General. You know... <clears throat> The Pope seems worried about whether he has authority to name women deacons. Where did he get the authority for this <clears throat> triennial assembly of the International Union of Superiors General? I mean, yeah. this it seems kind of, I don't know, uh, oxymoronic to me that you would worry about authority for one thing when you've got like a, all kinds of other things going on here that there's yeah. no authority for. Right. But anyway, right. anyway, Francis told... Uh, that this group, this group of women, told Francis that women had served as deacons in the early church, and asked, "Why not construct an official commission that might study the question?" The Pope responded that he had spoken about the matter once some years ago with a good, wise professor who studied the use of female deacons in the early centuries of the church. Francis said it remained unclear to him what role such deacons had. What were these female deacons? The Pontiff recalled asking the professor, "Did they have ordination or not?" It was a bit obscure," said Francis. What the role of the deaconess? What was the role of deaconesses in that time? Now, other popes have been quite clear. Pope John Paul II claimed in 1994, uh, in an apostolic letter to the Church, that there is no authority whatsoever to ordain women as priests, citing Jesus choosing only men to serve as his twelve apostles. So, yeah. Catholic Church is up in arms. Uh, apparently, some people, and, and and you found some other. References and people seem quite concerned about this. Yeah, the, the the article you were referencing goes on. It says many ch- church historians have said, however, there is abundant evidence that women served as deacons in the early centuries of the church. The apostle Paul mentions such a woman, Phoebe, in his letter to the Romans. That's in Romans 16 verses 1 and 2. We'll have to talk about that as we go along in the discussion tonight. But some folks are uh, the Catholics aren't necessarily committed to going back to the Bible for their authority, but they're saying. Well, you could go back to the Bible and point out Phoebe that, uh, well, some translations translate her as a servant. Others use the term deaconess, uh, who was in the, in the Bible. So they suggest that maybe there is authority for such a position. Yeah, and we're going to look at that as we go on in our study. Because basically what we want to look at tonight, Jacob, is what is God's role for women in the church? 
and and deal with some of the kind of questions that apparently have got the Catholic Church quite stumped. Yeah, and there's some confusion about whether or not, well, they have this thing about ordination, whether I mean, so if there's this, if they ordinate or ordain, ordain yeah. uh, someone, uh, then that that's different than just saying they can have the position. So there's some confusion within the Catholic Church about that, but it is, it is a question that isn't isolated to just the Catholic Church. In fact, um, I think there probably are some churches of Christ who would claim to be churches of Christ today who are grappling with the same issue. Yeah, Uh, remember last year we uh, reviewed a video from uh, a church in Nashville that had just uh, appointed their first woman preacher? Right. And so uh, the scriptures haven't changed. Our society has. We want to know what the scriptures teach. Uh, We want to line up with what the scriptures teach, not with what the modern uh societal norms are you know i think this is probably an important point to make right at the start is the 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 whole premise of what's being suggested let's appoint a commission to just to study this issue is that over time things change as society changes the role of women change is the implication of this maybe it wasn't so in the past but we live in a different time now and therefore we got to adjust with the times, and we got to let women do things that they formerly were forbidden to do, uh, as though somehow the truth on that question has changed. All right, so this is a fundamental point. Society is going to change, and if we don't say there's an absolute standard in God's Word, then we will have to, by logically, change with the culture. And when you do that, then it really opens the door for anything goes. If, yeah, you well, don't, yeah. if you don't stick to a strict standard, then, and we see it in the denominational world today, anything and everything goes all the way up to homosexual marriage being celebrated in denominations today. Yeah. So it's either, it's one or the other. Logically, it has to be. You can't say, well, I'm going to give a little bit here, but I won't go that far. Well, you have to be, if you're going to be logical, you've got to go that far. Yeah. In fact, once, as we've pointed out so many times, I. Uh, once you depart from absolute Bible authority, then it's, there's no stopping place. You, you can just go endlessly in any direction you want to go. And, there, and, and if, I, if, if I am allowed to violate authority in one matter, then I can't, I can't cry loudly if you want to violate it in another matter. I mean, uh, if it's fair in one place, it's fair in another And we've seen that kind of justification. That, go back to another previous program on uh, a so-called Church of Christ that's uh, using instrumental music today. How did they justify that? Did they justify it by the scriptures? They went back and justified it by what they were doing. Well, we allow it here. Why can't we allow it here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, so, start, they had started allowing it in some of their youth meetings. Right. And if you can have it in a youth meeting, why can't you have it in a right. general worship assembly? And and so, you know, once you cross the line, no whole, nothing. And denominational back. leaders have been honest enough to say, well, Going back to the homosexual marriage thing. Well, we weren't, we didn't follow the Bible on heterosexual marriage. We allowed divorce for any cause and remarriage for to those who were unscripturally divorced. We allowed that. Why can't we allow it in homosexual? So I mean, people are justifying this based upon the things that they're doing, not by the scriptures, because they've given up that standard and given up that ground. Once you give up that ground, you can't get it back. I think you're exactly right. All right. All right. Here's some questions that we sent out earlier today to our update list, as we always do on Thursday. Uh, giving you an idea of our topic, seeking some feedback from you. We're still looking for that feedback. What do you think? You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or you can get in the chat room and uh, give us your comments there. First question we ask, let's just talk about some of the women in the Bible, uh, especially in the first century, in the uh, among Christians in the first century, some that we know of who were notable for their work for the Lord. Let's just point out women have historically done great things in service for the Lord. Right. You know, we just want to stress that we're not demeaning women or or underappreciating women. Women have had vital uh, roles and effective work in, in the church ever from the beginning. Okay. And we want to talk about that. All right. Number two, how do we know that God values men and women equally? Mm-hmm. I think there's some powerful arguments to be made about that. Mm-hmm. Number three, what limitations are placed on women in regards to, first, teaching, secondly, church organization? Mm-hmm. And that's where we want to especially deal with this question, you know, of 
women deaconesses. Uh, as you read that one Catholic source, said, oh, there's lots of evidences there were there were women deaconesses in the first century church, and we don't believe that. We'll talk about that. And well, then, well, I mean, you have to define terms. We yeah. do believe there were deaconesses. Yeah, not not yeah. not as an office. Phoebe was a yeah. deaconess. Yeah, we yeah. can't argue with that. Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah, that question is, what does that mean there yeah. in yeah. Romans 16? Yeah. And then finally, explain 1 Corinthians 14.34 when it says women are to keep silence in the church. It's not permitted to them to speak. Well, what does that mean? And And can a woman make any... Audible noise at all, you know, uh, uh, if if it means let her keep silence totally, then you know, she's got a misbehaving child sitting beside her. Can she not lean over and whisper, you better straighten up or I'm going to take you out and spank you. Oh, no, that's not silence. She said something. She actually made a noise in the church. Is that what that means? If it if that's what it means, we're in pretty bad trouble. Uh, and we got to come up with an explanation that works for that what it means there in 1 Corinthians 14.34. All right. Questions at collegeu.com. Chat room if you're listening to us live tonight. Look forward to hearing from you. The phone line is open toll-free, 877-381-4567. Up first, your questions. What were some no- Who were some notable women in the first century who did excellent work for the Lord? And, you know, the first thing that came to mind when I saw your question there is we need to define terms. And I think a lot of times people limit serving the Lord to being some type of missionary or being a preacher or an elder and or even limiting it to work that occurs within the four walls of the so-called church building. And when we do that, then we severely uh, hinder our understanding of what God expects from us. And it it does play a factor in uh, this idea of women serving the Lord today. That the only way you could serve is maybe stand in a pulpit? Yeah, or... Or be an elder. Or have a, a, a officially designated office. Be a deacon, yeah. But that's the only way that you can really, uh, w- without that, you're being held back, and you can't serve effectively. Right, right. Well, we got a list of of Christian women in the first century who were very effective. I, we got an email from Kent in Georgia. Kent, thanks for sending in this week to, in answer to the virtual Bible study. He mentions, I think he's got a list of good ones here, Priscilla. Uh, of course, wife of Aquila. Uh, yes. uh, they're always mentioned together, Aquila and Priscilla, mm-hmm. Acts 18, 1 2. Mm-hmm. Phoebe, Romans 16, 1 and 2. We'll talk about her more specifically as we go along. Yodius and Syntyche, mm-hmm. Philippians 4, verse 2. Mm-hmm. Lois and Eunice, who were the mother and grandmother of Timothy, mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. I had a couple others to add to that. In Acts 9, Dorcas. Yes, I thought of her. Verse 36. In fact, notice she had died. Remember, this woman had, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. So she was a very good woman. Uh, Lydia in Acts 16, who obeyed the gospel in the city of Philippi. um, Those were a couple more that I thought of. So there's several. Yeah, you think about Dorcas and uh, what she did. She served the Lord. By doing things that would be, well, some today might say mundane. Uh, they're doing, uh, they brought the uh, coats and the garments which Dorcas had made, uh, probably serving others with making and providing those things for them. Uh, certainly not anything in, uh, in the spotlight there, or anything that was giving her fame and notoriety, but certainly serving the Lord uh, in the ways that she could. Yeah. Lydia in Philippi, after she was converted, uh, it says when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So she was she was a, a, a servant uh, in, in a special way in providing for Paul's necessities there in the city of Philippi. Critical for the spread of the gospel in Philippi, right. providing uh-huh. uh, for Paul and his work. Yeah. All right. All right, so um, I guess the point we want to make from that is that there were lots of Christians, uh, first century Christians, uh, women. Uh, my guess is that more than likely, uh, then as now, the women in the church outnumbered the men in the church, probably, uh, because women seemed to be more attuned to spiritual things in many time, in many ways. But there were a lot of women. Many of them are named in the New Testament. They did good work for the Lord. 
they're held up as worthy examples uh, of the kind of things that can be done and the good that can be accomplished. But I think that I think a point to stress is what you were saying, Jacob. We don't read any of those who were preachers. We don't read any of those who were elders. I don't think we read any of those who were deacons or deaconesses. But they still were doing commendable work for the Lord, and that and that's what's got to be stressed. You know, several years ago there was this trend that said a woman who stays home to to be a, a wife and mother she's she's not she's not being allowed to fulfill her potential. You know, this this is a this is a, a degrading thing, and and it, it's demeaning to a woman to to put her in such a limited role. I, I think I think people are coming around to realizing that was a that was a failed philosophy. That there's great value to being at home with children, a wife and a mother. Uh, and I think people uh, many people have come around and say, Oh yeah, maybe that maybe there is value there. And hopefully people will, will begin to appreciate there's great value for w- that women provide in the church, but it is of a special role. Yeah, and it is it is foolish to say that if I can't assume a certain role, then I'm being demeaned or I'm uh, being neglected. Men could make the same argument. How many men are qualified to be elders? Few. How many men have the ability to be a preacher? I'm not an elder, therefore I can't do anything. Right. I mean, you think about it in this congregation, and think of any congregation you can think of, a majority of the men would be sitting back and say, I'm being slighted. Because I can't be an elder, I can't be a deacon, or I can't be a preacher. It uh, it simply doesn't make sense. What are your thoughts? Let us know in the chat room tonight. It's time for us to take a break, and when we get back, we'll get into the discussion of of the women and uh, how do we know that God values men and women equally. Since there are different roles, does that mean that God doesn't value women as much as he does men or vice versa? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Men rarely stop to consider the long-range consequences of harming another's good name through gossip. Don't assume that because God hasn't dealt with evil yet, that he won't deal with it at all. Nothing escapes the attention of God. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about men and women and uh, their role, specifically women in the church. The Catholic Church uh, is willing, the Pope is willing to, to commission a study whether or not there can be deaconesses in the church. So we want to ask the bigger question, what are the roles of men and women, specifically women, in the church today? Uh, you you mentioned all of the women that, uh, that we've talked about, and you make a good point. We don't see any women who were in those roles. Well, uh, you know, Paul even mentions the good things they did. They, they, he didn't mention them being elders or deacons. But yeah. notice in First Timothy chapter 5, beginning verse 9, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. No, here's, here's a woman, and she was going to be taken into the permanent benevolent care of the church. She's, she needs to have been well reported of for good works. What were those? She's brought up children, she's lodged strangers, she's washed the saints' feet, she's relieved the afflicted, she's diligently followed every good work. She did good things, and she's commended for her good works, and she's to be rewarded for her good works, but none of those involved taking a, a teaching role over men or a leadership role in the church. Yeah, all right. But uh, expected of women. I mean, it's expected that they be doing good works, yeah. just as it's expected of men. In the using the opportunities and abilities that God has given us, we need to be serving Him as He expected of the widows back then. You okay. know, you think about what do we need more of in a in a local church? We need more servants. Certainly, there's yeah. much more need for yeah. that. I mean, that 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 work is uh, there's there's more need of that because. A few in those leadership roles can get the job done, but it takes a lot in the other roles, and so. We need to accept those responsibilities. Yeah, let's go to this second question, and we've got a little chatting going on in the chat room that we want to pick up on. How do we know? We ask the question, how do we know that men and women are, are 
equally valued in the in the sight of the Lord. How do we know that God values men and women equally? All right. Was the question that we asked. Ricky has posed a good question in the chat room. He says, Galatians 3, verse 28, where it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says, Doesn't this passage authorize women to act and perform in the same capacities as men? And Anthony says, in response, he says it would if that were the only passage addressing the roles of women. We have to harmonize that with other passages that clearly show different roles. The context of that passage, however, is not about the roles of men and women in the church. The context is contrasting the old law and new. Then that verse is specifically is just saying that salvation is open to all, not that all roles are equal. All right, so what are your thoughts about that? Ricky asks a question, Galatians 3, verse 28, says there's neither male nor female. Does that mean that the roles are the same, or is there some other meaning? You know, the first answer to that is, as Anthony has said, we've got to look at the context, and if this was the only passage discussing it, perhaps. But if it's true that there are no differences in roles between male and female, then it would also have to say that there's no difference in role between slave and free and we know from other passages of the scriptures that there are differences in roles there are specific instructions for how that, masters that, that are to behave and how uh, servants are to behave yeah and the servants were to be in subjection to their masters and and so there was different roles but they were they were both valued the same you know i, I uh, maybe an illustration that points this out what if the president of the united states stepped into this room with us tonight you know well, we'd be awestruck because he's a man of high office, uh, and, and you know we we would certainly want to respect the office that he holds. But he's he in in the sense of human value, he's just a man like any other man, right? He, he he's the value of his humanity is no greater than anybody else's. Uh, he's got a different role than anybody else has, and we, and, and so. If we can understand that in the sense, you know, no, no human, I, I don't think any any American would think that they are less valuable than the president in the sense of their life and and their their human worth. But all would understand he's got a role different than the rest of us. That's all we're saying here. Men and women have different roles, but that doesn't mean there's any difference in their worth. Um, I think a pretty good passage of this, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. First uh, Timothy 2, beginning verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notice this. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. I think that last expression there, she shall be saved in childbearing. I know years ago I, I, I used to think that meant, well, if a woman was, was doing the right thing, if she was a faithful Christian, she wouldn't, wouldn't have as much pain in childbirth as another woman might have. Well, that's obviously a flawed understanding yes, yeah, of the verse. Yeah. Uh, what that, that expression, childbearing, is, is, a, is a word that's being used to represent the whole of her realm. This is this is this is describing her God-given place. It has and, to be that. And, and what the text is saying is she's not allowed to teach over men. She can't do the same thing a man can do. Does that mean she can't be saved? No. She'll be saved by fulfilling her God-given role. Uh, she can't do what the man can do, but she can do what God wants her to do, and He'll reward her just the same as He'll reward a man if she faithfully fulfills her role. Yes. Yes. I mean, otherwise, the woman who never married. The woman who never was able to conceive and have children couldn't be saved. And so clearly it doesn't mean that. Um, you remember they were trying to stump Jesus with the woman who had seven husbands? And they, and they, they ask in, in heaven, whose, will, whose wife will she be? She said, well, she's not going to be anybody's wife. She had never had any children. No. Uh, so clearly it doesn't mean that you have to have children in order to be saved. It does, as you said. If she'll assume the roles that God has given her, that, that salvation is available to both men and women, even though they have different roles. Yeah, and that and that's been a that's been a passage that that maybe has caused some confusion. And it's not mandating that women have to have children in order to be saved. It's just using that expression to denote 
the realm or the whole of women's assigned place and duty. Uh, it's using it in a very generalized sense. Childbearing. That's the bearing children, raising children, attending to the family. A special work, a vitally important work that God has given women to do. And he's just saying, if women will fulfill the role God has assigned to them, and, and I didn't mention all of the aspects of their role for sure, but if they will, if they will fulfill their duty in the work that God has specially assigned to them, they'll be saved just like the men who do the work that God has assigned in, to their part. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Look forward to your view. 877-381-4567. Jeff in the chat room references Ephesians chapter 5. He says particularly verse 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so he references that there are, uh, I guess, male and female, but they are one. In other in words, they are, they are humanity, and they are, they are both um, valuable members of the family. He says childbearing equals child rearing. That certainly is involved in that statement, uh, but I think it's broader than that. I think it's, uh, again, her assuming her role. Uh, that includes childbearing, if uh, that is possible, and child rearing. If childbearing is possible, child rearing goes along with it, but certainly wouldn't be limited to that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you caught the last part of Anthony's comment in there in response to the Galatians 3.23 where it says neither male nor female, mm-hmm. uh, neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond or free, neither male or female, all, you're all one in Christ Jesus. Anthony, I think, correctly observes uh, the context of the passage is not about the roles of men and women in the church. The context is contrasting the old law and the new, and, and that verse specifically is just saying that salvation is open to all, not that all roles are equal. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. Now, this idea that God values one over the other, Certainly, I think Galatians 3, verse 28 would tell us that he doesn't, that uh, that we all are, he's, he's willing to s- send his son to redeem us all. He doesn't value one over the other. I think it's ironic that those who say women are degraded by not having the same role as men are in fact degrading women by saying that. You know, if, if I said, I want to have gray hair, I've got to have gray hair in order to be, you know, acceptable, then I would be demeaning the fact that I don't, well, I have gray hair, but not as much as you. <laughs> so, so, you see what I'm saying? If I, if I said, you've got to have gray hair in order to be accepted in society, then I would say those who don't are somehow less valuable. Yeah. And, and women who say, I've got to have a leadership role in order to be accepted in, in order to be all that I can be yeah. are saying, well, women in the role that God has given them aren't fulfilling. It means it is demeaning women uh, by this, by the fact that they're pursuing that. I think, yeah, I think that's true. And, that's, and that goes all the way back to, the, to that argument that I was mentioning, you know, saying that it's a demeaning thing to women to be housewives and mothers, you know, that that's, yeah. that's, and it's not. It's, it's 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 an important work. It's a vitally crucial work. It's a God-given role that that needs to be fulfilled, and uh, it doesn't mean that the women are less valuable. Oh, Kent's email from Georgia. He said, "We know that God values men and women equally upon the basis that all accountable individuals are amenable to the gospel of Christ. Such is the case because all accountable people will appear before the judgment seat of Christ." Second Corinthians five verse ten. So he. Uh, in other words, he's saying they are accountable for their work. Men are accountable for their work. Uh, we're all going to be judged, uh, which suggests the idea that uh, since, since there's a common judgment for all based upon their fulfilling of roles, that would indicate that God values all the same. Basically, the idea that women can be saved just like men can be saved. If God didn't value them equally, then he wouldn't make salvation available to them on an equal basis with men. You know, back in the Old Testament, we were talking about this last night in the Bible study here, in Leviticus chapter 21. For a man who has a defect shall not approach, talking about those who can ser- could serve the Lord in a public capacity back in there, the, look, who, the priest. A man who has a defect shall not approach a man blind or lame, who has a marred face or any limb too long. A man who has a broken foot or a broken hand 
or is a hunchback or a dwarf? Well, now I tell you, that's just not fair. I mean, I couldn't help the fact that I was born a hunchback or a dwarf. Or yeah, uh, maybe but, I could even affect that I broke my hand. I mean, some but people today would say that's just not fair. God, but, God was prejudiced against the hunchback. He wasn't because it goes on to say that they were provided for, but they just weren't allowed the role of a priest. There are certain roles that God expects, and God didn't hate the hunchback. Uh, and he dwarf. and he went on to indicate there in that same context that, that they could be provided for under this system, but they just they just they roles. couldn't hold that role of a priest. Yeah, I mean, go back to whole, the whole idea of choosing the tribe of Levi. Does that mean if I'm a of the tribe of Benjamin, that God, I'm less valuable to God? No, he just chose the Levites to do that job, and he gave yeah. other jobs to do as well. And so we need to accept the role that God has given us. Yeah. All right, let's grab a, let's grab a break, and when we come back, let's talk about what limitations uh, are placed upon women in the New Testament. It, despite the fact that the Catholic Church wants to re-debate this thing, what does the what limitations are placed on women in regards to teaching and church organization? We'll get a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Christians should think long and meditate often about the wonderful salvation that God has made available to us through His Son. Look at this text now and realize that we are the recipients of, first, a great salvation. It's great because our past sins have been forgiven. We enjoy a present relationship with God as our loving Father, and we have the hope of a beautiful future in eternity. It not only is a great salvation, but it is a spoken salvation. Too many people in the religious world trust their subjective feelings concerning their eternal souls. They wouldn't do that if it involved their material possessions or their financial security, but they do it with their souls. It simply makes no sense. God does not ask us to trust our salvation to such uncertainty. Instead, he has given us his spoken word, whereby we can learn and understand the things essential to salvation. Read Romans 1.16, Romans 10.17, and Ephesians 3.3-5. It's a great salvation. It's a spoken salvation. It's a confirmed salvation. We can be sure that the salvation offered through Jesus Christ is legitimate. The message of salvation was confirmed by the men who knew Jesus, who saw him, heard him, worked with him. They were eyewitnesses to his life, and their words and accounts assure us that these things are true. In fact, their willingness to die for his cause is one of the surest proofs of all. Furthermore, God also confirmed their testimony by way of the miracles that they were empowered to do. And finally, the salvation that we have is a conditional salvation. A key word in the text that we're considering is the word if. It clearly teaches us that our salvation is conditioned upon meeting the requirements set forth in God's word. God offers us this wonderful gift. We show our willingness to accept it by doing his will. Salvation is for all them that obey him. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 through 9. Read again this important verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Hebrews 2, verse 3. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, I'm Kent Bumgardner. And I'm Mindy. We're from Jackson, Tennessee. And we love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'd love for you to check us out, especially if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. Come and worship with us. Find out about our meeting location and times at thevirtualbiblestudy.com and... We will remind you, if you have a suggestion for a future topic on the virtual Bible study, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. If you have a question about anything you've heard, if you disagree with us, if you'd like to join us to discuss your disagreements, questions at collegeview.com. We encourage you to contact us at any time. We'd love to hear from you. We're talking about women in the church tonight. Kyle is behind the board. haven't introduced Kyle yet tonight. Kyle, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Good to have you with us. If you've got comments, raise your hand back there. We'll let you talk about uh, the subject tonight. Uh, we, we talked about the fact that that God has given women or commended women in the Scriptures for their good works, 
there are numerous works that God is, uh, expects women to be participating in. Now we want to talk about, go ahead. You, you referenced there in First uh, Timothy chapter 5, the widows, the requirements for widows to be taken to the number. And it, that implies that there are expectations about good works that God expects women to be doing. And then uh, the fact that God values women, women and men equally, and now uh, the limitations. All right, let's talk, let's talk about, first of all, limitations in regards to the teaching that they can do. But I wouldn't even want to begin discussing that without first pointing out that these worthy women of the first century church did teach. In other words, yes. when we say that there's a limitation on the teaching that women can do, let's not be represented as having taken the view that women can't or shouldn't teach at all. I think there's a lot of confusion about that. Yeah, but the scripture, I think, is clear uh, that, that those women, faithful women in the first century church, under the guidance of the inspired apostles, were involved in teaching. Notice Titus 2, beginning verse 3. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behaviors, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. Notice, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So the women were to be teachers of good things. And then it goes on to specify that the elderly women or aged women should especially be teaching the young women uh, how they should be conducting themselves. So clearly there was teaching that women were to do. Yes. Teaching that we need women to be doing today. Yeah. So definitely women could teach women. Uh, there's not any doubt about that. We reference teachers of good things. That's a little. That's not necessarily limited to women. Yeah. Well, uh, so women can teach women. That's that's, that's, that's explicitly that, stated. That's explicitly the teachers said. of that, good things could imply it could be something else. Well, let's talk about that. We know that they could teach children. Right. We mentioned earlier Lois and Eunice, the grandmother and grandmother of of Timothy, who are commended for having taught Timothy. Yes. So we would argue from that that women can teach children. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So women can teach women. Women can teach children. I would argue that women can be involved in teaching men. Yeah. Even. And I would use the example of Aquila and Priscilla in Acts 18, beginning verse 24. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So here's Apollos, who was a good man, but when he came to Ephesus, he had limited information. He wasn't teaching uh, all the truth because he didn't know all the truth. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, it says they took him aside. They expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. So we've got Aquila there, uh, rather Priscilla, actually involved in teaching a man, Apollos, right? So we would say that there's there's teaching work that women can do with even with men being on the receiving end of that in certain circumstances, but again with some limitations, we want to point out. Here's another First Peter chapter three verse one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if they obey not the word, they may also, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Women were teaching their unbelieving husbands, maybe not with words, but by the way that by they their, live, by their example. And certainly, I think there would be some words included in that by necessity as uh, they uh, were involved with dealing with their unbelieving husbands. So there there are ways that women can teach men, women, and children. Yeah. Now, the a couple of verses come to mind that just uh, have to be accepted uh, as a limiting factor in the work that women do in teaching. And one of them is the one we already referenced earlier in the program, <coughs> First Timothy chapter 2, beginning verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. (coughs) Here, 
Paul says plainly, a woman is not to teach nor usurp authority over the man. So a woman cannot be in a teaching role that puts her in a position of authority over a man. You know what? When when we stand up to teach publicly, be it whether a preacher preaching a sermon during a worship assembly or even for that matter, a a teacher standing up before a congregation, before a, a, a class of, of men and women to teach, that teacher and preacher, they're granted authority over that meeting for the time that it's taking place. In other words, they're granted the authority to, to conduct it. It has to be conducted scripturally, of course. I'm not saying they have authority to, to change things or to, to break God's laws or rules. But they are in charge, so to speak. They have the authority over the assembly in the sense that they're granted that position of speaking and teaching and others are, are sitting at their feet to learn. Uh, and Paul says plainly there in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, the woman is not to be over men in such an authoritative teaching capacity. Right. That's I, I mean, I don't know how you get around that. That's such a plain statement. I don't know how anybody could miss it. Yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the qualifier on the idea of women teaching is it can't be in can't a position of authority over, over a man. Yeah. They can't be over a man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've heard people argue where it says she's not to usurp authority over a man. And I think probably others who are listening tonight have heard this kind of, I think, very flawed argument. Well, if the man grants her the right to take that position, then she's not usurping it. She's been given it. She's not, you know, they're trying to suggest the idea of usurping it is to take it by force or, you know, to impose themselves in that position when people didn't really want them to be in that position. But if everybody says it's okay, you know, then she's not usurping authority. But that's that's the the, the context of that statement says she's to be in silence. She's not to be over the men. And, and if she's she, also to be in subjection. And if she, yeah, and if she, ta- yeah, the phrase right before that learn in silence with all subjection if she takes that position she's usurping a position that god does not authorize her to have and for that matter if we men granted her that permission we'd be granting something we don't have the permission to give you know uh i can't i can't send a crew out to your house tomorrow and start cutting down all the trees in your front yard and, you know, so so a crew shows up out there and they're cutting down all your big trees on your front yard. And you run out there and say, hey, wait, wait, what are you doing there? And they said, well, Greg told us we could do this. I don't have the authority to tell them they can do that. That's not those are not my trees. Yeah. Uh, and in the same way, men don't have the authority to give women teaching capacity over men. It's not in their realm. Yeah. And we don't have the authority to grant it. All right. OK. Let us know your thoughts. The chat room has gone quiet. Let us know what you think in the chat room tonight. And then the other verse that goes with this, and we're going to talk more about this in just a minute because we we, we need to sort of dig out uh, the meaning of this verse a little more thoroughly. But First Corinthians fourteen thirty four, uh, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. That sure would argue against women preachers and teachers. Uh, in a, in a public capacity over an assembly of saints. Yes, it would. I mean, I don't see how you get it's around that. It's in the churches, and they're told to keep silence, not to speak. We need to talk about that again, but uh, okay, now certainly would con- would condemn this idea of women taking a leading role. Okay, so we've got limitations on women in regards to teaching. Uh, what about church organization? Uh, can are, are women... Can they be, they can't be teachers or preachers. We just saw they're limited in that. Could they be in oversight capacity? Could they take on leadership roles as elders? Of course, we know synonymous terms with elders, bishops, pastors, presbyters. Could they, uh, could they be that or could they be a deaconess, a deaconess? Yes. Uh, because that's really what started our conversation tonight. What about their limitation in church organization? All right, because we do have, uh, Phoebe mentioned in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, some translations call her a deaconess. What about that? Do you believe that uh, that there should be deaconesses in the church today? Let's grab our last break, Jacob. When we come back from that, let's, let's deal with... 
What about women in leadership roles in church organization? What's the limitations there? All right, we'll get a break. Go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. Well, regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that He commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey concludes that gossip accounts for 55% of men's conversation time and 67% of women's. Mobile phones have increased this activity by allowing us to gossip anytime, anyplace, anywhere, and to text as well as to talk. That information is via Social Issues Research Center. The Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11, Study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, talking about the role of women in the church and the question, can women take roles in leadership in the church? Yeah, I want to offer two verses that I just think are open and shut in answer to this question. They just shut it down. An elder or a bishop, a shepherd, a pastor. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, and so on it goes. That seems very clear to me. If he's to be the husband of a wife, then that's got to be a man. Unless we're going to go the same-sex marriage thing, which we've talked about plenty of times before. Uh, the fact that a bishop is to be a husband of wife says he's got to be a man, right? Yeah, Kent in his email tonight, thank you again, Kent, uh, says, Indeed, the New Testament places limitations upon women in regards to teaching as well as serving in positions of authority over men in the local church. He references First Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, as we have. And he says, Women may not scripturally serve as deacon in the local church, in that such would be positions of authority, they certainly could not meet the qualifications set forth in First Tim- Timothy chapter three, verses eleven and twelve, as you yeah. reference there. Yeah, that's the other verse I was going to mention. So the bishop has to be the husband of one wife, but it says the same thing about the deacon. First Timothy three twelve says, "Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well." Well, if the deacon's supposed to be husband of wife, then he can't be a woman. And so, again, I think that's open and shut. I I think that just uh, seals that up completely. Now, what uh, I don't uh, so I think women are limited. They cannot be positions of leadership in the organization of a local congregation. But what about this business of deaconesses? Deaconesses. Yeah. Uh, Notice there in First Timothy. We don't, we, we want to be honest with the context of that. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, likewise must be the, de- must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. Now, and then he goes on, for they that have used the office of a deacon. There's an office of a deacon. Those who have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. There is an office. The word deacon just means servant. Yes. If you were to look that up in a lexicon, the word deacon means servant. Yeah. Now, these men in the office of a deacon were men who had to meet special qualifications and then were given special duties in the church to serve, right? right. 
But it's clearly talking in verse 13 about the office of a deacon. All of us are supposed to be servants. Right. These were specially appointed servants to a special office in the organization of the church. Right. That 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 title is a descriptive describing their role. Yeah. Uh, just like pastor and bishop are describing that role of the elder. But verse 11 there, where the King James says, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Some translations say, Even so must the women be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. And that's, that goes to the construction of the Greek language. Uh, in the Greek, there was not a word for wife or husband. It was man. But it talks about, it was, it was man and woman. And so a woman is a wife if if the context suggests that it's talking about the woman who belongs to that man. Yeah. That man's woman is his wife. Yes. And so the King James translators understood that the women, under consideration in verse 11, because it is just the word for woman, but the King James translators understood that contextually this, the woman under consideration had to be the woman who belonged to that man who was being considered for the office of deacon. And I think they were exactly right in that. Uh, well, can, verse, book, it's bookend, yeah, bookended, yeah. or ended there by verse 13, or verse 12, that they have to be the husbands of one wife. Exactly right. You can't get around that. Exactly right. Yeah. So I, I don't think that First Timothy 3, especially verse 11, justifies the idea of women deaconesses. And then, and then go back there to Romans 16, where it talks about Phoebe, uh, and again, the King James translators just say, I commend unto Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. Receive her in the Lord as become a saint, that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. She was a servant of the church. Well, again, we're all supposed to be servants. The word is deaconess. It could but, be translated that way. She, you yeah, could translate. Yeah. She was a de- she was she was a servant, a deaconess. Yeah. She was a female servant of the church, but that doesn't mean she held the office of a deacon. Right. That's the question, and and there's no justification for the fact that that she did. Yeah. And furthermore, there's no suggestion that she had to have some type of position to serve. Yeah. I think some people. Well, she would, uh, she doesn't have office, therefore she can't do anything. Well, same for. Male or female right. today, you right. don't have to have a role to be serving the church. Exactly right. All right, all right. Um, what else we got? To, oh, oh. Okay. So, uh, okay. limitations. Uh, that third question was: What limitations uh, are on the women in regards to teaching and church organization? Specifically, deal with the possibility of women deacons. I think we've covered that, and I, I, I think the Catholic Church is just. Uh, on a wild goose chase, trying to come up with something about that because it's just not there. Yeah, again, but it really doesn't matter what they decide because they've already decided wrong on a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, All right. Question number four. All right. So now let's talk a little bit more about 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, uh, because as we said earlier, this could be a potential problem verse. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Well, silence. Let them keep silence in the church. Literal silence? I mean, you can't make any kind of a noise. Could you cough? Could you sneeze? Uh, As I said earlier, could you lean over and whisper a correction to a misbehaving child? Could you sing? If you were a woman in the church, you know, can't you, the, the sil- does silence mean complete, utter muteness, no noise whatsoever? You and Kent are on the same wavelength. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, the term silence, uh, he references there uh, the verb. Sigeo is the verb form. Sige is the, the noun form. It means to hold one's peace, to keep close or not to utter a sound. Uh, um, the context of the passage is discussing women holding their peace, being silent insofar as addressing the assembly of the local church. There is New Testament authority for women to engage in singing in the assembly, 
Ephesians 5, verse 19, Colossians 3, 16, and 17. There is New Testament authority for women to confess Christ in the assembly to qualify them to be baptized for or unto the remission of sins. He references Romans 9, uh, 10, 9, and 10, Acts 2, verse 38. There is New Testament authority for women to confess sin in their lives, indicating repentance and a desire to be restored to the fellowship of Christ. There is no New Testament authority for women to address a mixed assembly of men and women in a local church insofar as teaching, preaching, or demonstrating the leadership role in any area. In light of 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, it would be wrong for women to serve the Lord's Supper in the assembly also. Okay, I, I agree with Kent on that. Uh, you know, the, it's this this verse, and I, I think people need to be familiar with this. We've talked about this in time past on the Virgin Bible study. 1 Corinthians 14.34 is a not-but construction. And that's and it's, it's, it's not uncommon in the Scriptures. There are several places like that. And when you have a not-but, the not is not a total prohibition, the imp, but it's, it's, it's the emphasis is on the second. Uh, and and uh, in the margin of my Bible, I've got this passage written down, John six twenty seven. Notice, Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the uh, Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endures to everlasting life. Labor not for the meat which perishes. No, I don't have to work. I don't have to do any. I don't have to do any work. I should not have to work for my food. No, because Paul said in Second Thessalonians three verse ten, when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to labor for the meat which perisheth. In fact, we'd be sinning if we didn't. And so when Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, he wasn't saying, he wasn't making a, a total prohibition on working for food. What he was emphasizing was, though, when he said, not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endures into everlasting life, he's saying, here's your emphasis. Here's the more important part. Here's, here's what is to be stressed. So it's a not but construction. So Romans 14.34 is a not-but construction. And therefore, it is not a total prohibition on a woman making a noise in the church. But the emphasis is the second part, they are to be under obedience, as also saith the law. This is saying women not to be over men, not to take a leadership, not to take a teaching role over men. They are to be under obedience. So, again, that construction has to be understood to be not a total prohibition on making a noise in the church, the emphasis, though, being on them being under obedience. If, if this verse is to be taken completely literally, then we can't let women sing. But usually the people who try to take this verse literally want the women to sing. And you can't do that. You'd have a direct contradiction. And it's interesting that Ephesians 5.19, as Kent referenced, uses the word speak. It says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So I have the word there. Singing is a form of speaking. Speaking. I'm commanded to speak in song, but then if I reference there in verse uh, in First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 34, it says, don't speak. So I have to take that not yeah. but uh, yeah. interpretation that you've given there. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the key to that. Uh, and again... If you are ever questioned about that verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 34, um, maybe at the margin there, jot down John six twenty seven, where Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. We know he wasn't saying totally don't work for food at all, yeah. because Second Thessalonians 3, 10 says we're supposed to work. If we won't work, we should, shouldn't be allowed to eat either. And I think that clears that up. Yeah. All right, well, we've looked at what the Scriptures teach about the role of women uh, today, and specifically in the church. Lest someone say this is the male chauvinist hour, we're looking at what the Scriptures teach, and we're looking at the fact that God places no greater value on men or women, that we're all equal, but we have different roles. We need to assume those, and it's no slight to women to have a different role than men, nor is it a slight for men to have a different role than women. Uh, we just have different roles, and we need to fill those yeah, roles. I think that's exactly right. All right. Well, good discussion tonight. 
Kyle, thank you for joining us on the program tonight and helping us get on the air tonight. Thank you for having me. Good, to have, good to have you here. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks for a good discussion tonight. Thanks. I hope it's been helpful. Yep. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.